For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands Of a God who never sleeps Fear not, little lamb For the kingdom belongs to his sheep And your life is in the hands of a God who Welcome back to Tending Lambs. Today's episode is the second in our series on the Proverbs with Dr. Don Owsley. If you haven't listened to the previous episode yet, we advise you stop listening to this one and go listen to that one as it provides a bunch of helpful information that this part of the interview is built on. If you have already heard it, then listen on friends and enjoy more of Dr. Don's breakdown of the most utilized Proverbs in justifying spanking. Here we go. So if we could get into Proverbs 13, 24, which everyone goes back to that one. That is, that is the one that just gets thrown at me constantly whenever I mention not spanking. Yeah. Um, 13, 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Let me just say another great way to look at these verses is compare other translations. Mm-hmm. It's a good exercise because we'll see in another verse um, the translation is so totally different than what we find in the ESV or the New American. Anyway, thirteen twenty-four. Another way it's translated: those who withhold the rod hate their son; the one who loves him seeks discipline. Mm-hmm. Okay, two worlds. Yeah, the world of the fool and the world of the wise. You have the world of foolishness and the world of wisdom. You have one who is silly, and he's kind of in between. You, want, you have one who doesn't listen, and he's also in between. But we're talking about two different polar opposites, if you will, the directions that they're going, one to the high hill of God and the other to the, the false gods. We're on a different hill. And in, um, the way they understood in their culture, the way they understood unbelievers or Gentiles, um, that was the world of hate. They lived in a sphere of hate. They lived in a sphere of, of angst and, and conflict and war, and they were against God. They hated God. They hated the Jews. Everything about them was the world of hate. It, by contrast, obviously, uh, one who is uh, becoming wise he will continue in the path of love. He will love God and he will love others. And that will demonstrate itself through the law. So he who withholds his rod hates his son basically is, is a way of saying the one who withholds the rod is allowing his son, the older son, the Na'ar, to go into the realm or the world of hate. And therefore, one who, who um, withholds the rod, the discipline, from someone who is leaning in the direction, characteristically leaning in the direction of a fool, and a fool is one who hates God, then, yeah, 
the parent is showing hate. But the one who loves the child disciplines, instructs, disciples, and even uses punitive measures when necessary. So that's not the problem. The problem is what, are the, what is the rod? And, and, you know, what is this discipline? That's the question. And oftentimes, you know, they say, well, if you're not spanking, you hate your kid. Well, again, um, the word for son is the word, the father of a son is Ben. It doesn't tell us uh, the age. Some will say, well, yeah, son, the word Ben could be a child. But again, that's taking it out of the context of Proverbs, where the, where the audience has to do with the, the father who, ins, who is instructing, who's teaching the na'ar, the son who is becoming a leader of the future or should be a leader of the future. Right. Um, so the context there is not of a little child. And the rod, what we have to understand here, first of all, this is descriptive. It's not imperative. It's kind of giving, what does it look like if your parent uh, hates his child and allows the child to go in the direction of hate. Well, it's a hands-off. It doesn't do, doesn't do enough, doesn't show love, doesn't discipline, doesn't teach or instruct or anything like that. Um, the rod here is, um, it was a form of punishment. And the rod itself meant, was, was something that they would take a, 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 a young oak, about a it was about a foot up to three feet. They would dig it out or they'd yank it out and they would shave off the root. And the root is, you know, had a ball with all the, the little, um, the roots going off to the side. So they would shave it off and um, sand it down and make it nice and smooth. So you had either, if it was two foot, they would take on the other end, they would bore a hole through it and put leather and they would hang it on their belt. So they could use it as a club to defend the sheep or they could use it as a weapon. Mm. If it was longer, you know, as long as a staff, it was pretty thick. I mean, it was about an inch, two inches thick. It was a hefty rod. And oak is very, very solid. Uh, so they would use the rod, and they would discipline. Um, but this is the thing that we have to understand. It, it was never a spanking of the, on the bum, um, but, you know, paddle on the butt, but rather it was a rod on the back. And they wouldn't take the club part, you know, the, the round part, the right. gnarly part. They would take the actual stick itself and they would beat the back of one who was, who was essentially violating God's word. Right. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, so even though it says Ben, like it's talking about just right. a generic son who you would right. use the rod on. The right. assumption in all of these is that it's going to be a morally culpable son. Yes, yes. Which comes yeah. with an age implied. Correct. That's Not true. Him. Yeah. He's following in, in the path of hate. He's moving in the direction towards the gods and not towards the one true God. He is living counter to his covenant um, promises. He is he is violating the commandments and all that. Yeah. So he, he hasn't done it all, you know, and it hasn't been to the point of criminality, though it could have been. But he's a delinquent in, in terms of God's moral, civil, and religious laws. Hmm. Um, and a little child doesn't have a capability. Right. No. You know? <laughs> Certainly so, not. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's an excellent picture. But again, what it's saying is, you can still fulfill the principle of this 
by um, discipling your child and bringing, you know, consequences, if you want to use that word, appropriate consequences, training them in the way uh, of, of the Lord and the way, you know, that they ought to be trained mm-hmm. and, and still fulfill this passage. Mm-hmm. But uh, go ahead. Um, no, I, I was just very, uh, just affirming what you were saying and thinking this, this just makes way more sense to me than trying to look at my, um, my one and almost one and a half year old and think that, you know, this little boy has no, I, he barely understands language. You know, he's just learning language. He's learning how to use a fork for goodness sake. Like, uh, you know, how, how can he understand disobedience and God's law and all of these things? You know, it's just, um, it, it really, it's pretty mind blowing, especially when you break it down like this. It, it is mind blowing. I have read, I told you I tossed out 25 books and I re- reread, I went ahead and purchased a couple other books because I was asked, you know, to to critique them, and I did, and it nearly killed me after reading them again. But the, the implication is, this is about little children, and when, when, they are, when they're being fools, then you need to spank them, and when they're, you know, when they're being wise, then you need to reward. How in the world does a two-year-old know right. what a fool, you know, we're talking about natural inclinations. Oh yes, but they're sinners. I don't have any problem with that. Yes, they are sinners, but not everything is explained by sin. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's a totally different thing. The thing that we have to understand is this is not a paddle. This is a rod. And they literally did beat, um, you know, they they did beat the child on the back. In fact, they also used a whip. We see this in Proverbs 20. if you use that, then we need to use it on teenagers you yeah, know, up to yeah. the age of 24 or older. If we're going to do that, then we need to uh, make sure that we stone some of them to death. <laughs> so we can't take one verse and say, well, this applies, but the others don't. Right. If we want to be consistent, as William Webb points out, then we need to take a hatchet and chop off the hand of the woman who's done something to a man. Yeah. But we don't do that. Why? Because we don't live in that culture. And do we have permission not to do it? Yes, because we live in the New Testament culture, in in the culture of Christ. Yeah. They they were uh, they were very diligent in using the the rod to the back. They had to lie down on their on their um, stomach with the face to the ground in front of an audience with the elders present most often. And they would be beaten normally, you know, by an elder or one of the so-called fathers or by their own father. And people would be standing around watching this. Wow. Oh, goodness. This is just flying in the face of all of that, like, take your child into a room privately and do this and this and this. Like, all of the instructions we've we've ever heard. And I'm just banking on the butt. Like, where did all of this come from? Not at all from Scripture. Oh, my goodness. You know, I think that's actually really interesting because every parenting book I've read, and I've read quite a few because it's a topic of interest in my house having a child now, um, they all give a prescription for spanking, every single one of them. And it's all 
generally the same. Some include pulling pants down, some don't, but right. there's really not much variation beyond that. So it sounds biblical, um, but if you get down to it, again, you know, we're comparing two different cultures, 3,000 years apart, and we live in the New Testament. I mean, if we want to be consistent, we need to pull, take the, the shirt off the back, lay him down in front of elders, and beat him so many times according to the offense, Deuteronomy 25, verse 2, in proportion to the offense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and use it diligently. Do it regularly. Uh, they had to beat. In fact, the word beat or hit, nakah, is often combined with the word rod. Proverbs 23 is an example. Um, the, uh, the number of strokes, they could beat them up to 40 times if they were free, which was, as uh, again, William Red points out, was very, very gracious and kind compared to the ancient Near East, where the different cultures would have up to two, 200 strokes. I can't imagine that. But um, it was always on the back, Proverbs 10, Proverbs 19, Proverbs 26.3, Isaiah 50, and so forth. It was not on the bum, and it was with the rod. Uh, you, you could beat him to the point, as long as he can get up two or three days later, one or two days later, I'm sorry. Goodness. Yeah. So he didn't have any problems with bruising, whipping, if the whip went around to the sides and, you know, and hurt them and, and the, the ribs, then so be it, so long as they could get up and they couldn't be beaten to the point of death. You couldn't be killed unless the sentence warranted it. And if that was the case, then they would stone them. They wouldn't beat them with the rod. Yeah. It was a different world. It was a very different, <laughs> totally different world. Well, the, the next one you had, a, a Proverbs 14, 3, in the mm -hmm. mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will protect them. Uh, that's New American Standard ESV, both translated that way. This is where the interpreters take liberty, because in the Hebrew it says, in the mouth of the foolish is a twig or a shoot of huh. pride, but the lips hmm. of the wise uh, will protect him. Longman translates it from the Hebrew, in the mouth of a dupe or a fool is a sprig of pride, but the lips of the wise guard them. King James, in the mouth of the foolish, is a rod of pride. This is a term that can be, um, the rod can be translated as rod, but most often, and it's not used very often, but when it is, the word itself means like a twig or a branch mm -hmm. that's growing out of a tree. So this is not the same thing as the rod uh, that was used for punishment or protection or, okay. or for shepherds. And, and the picture there is in the mouth of one who is foolish is a twig that is growing out of his mouth and uh. pride. You know, what, what do you have growing out? So, again, it's descriptive. Yeah, I think it's kind of a, a play on words, so to speak. I, yeah. I think but we've got. You also have the, the reference to, uh, you know, in the mouth of the foolish. And that's right. like we childish is not foolish. Well, childishness right. and an adult can be foolish. But for a child who's developing, that's different than a fool, biblically right. speaking. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. NIV says a fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips huh. of the wise protect them. And I think that's that really is more consistent with the Hebrew. If you're going to read it, you know, um, read it woodenly, then read it that way. 
Yeah. Woodenly. <laughs> no pun intended there. <laughs> well, you know, ultimately the fool's talk brings death. Yeah. Right. Especially since we're talking about the covenant relationship he has with God. Yeah. Uh, you know, the words of the wise will protect him. Yeah. So, uh, so why don't we go ahead and go on to Proverbs 22, 8. He who sows iniquity will reap vanity and the rod of his fury will perish. Right. Um, I don't think that justifies spanking on the bum. No. I can see the mom or dad coming out, you know, and, you know, telling this, whoever sows injustice reaps calamity, child. And this rod, they will wield and fury will be broken. This is kind of a statement of the obvious. The one who sows inequity reaps in you know vanity. This, yeah. it, that's what the fool does. It's uh, Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is an observation of of a general truth. It's not a promise. You know, none of the proverbs are promises. Right. None of them are commands, so to speak. None of them carry the weight of the law. You know, in Deuteronomy. These are general truths that observational truths that we find out. Why don't we go ahead and uh, dive into Proverbs 23, 13, and 14? Once again, these are, I won't say redundant, but variations of the same theme. Yeah. You, you have discipline, you have the rod, you have um, essentially the same ideas and concepts that are there. And so if we, if we get a handle on, this is talking about the son, who is about 12 to 24 years old, who is learning to be a leader. And he has a choice to make you know, between God and, and or not God. Um, and here's the way to do it. You, you instruct, you teach, you, hopefully they will be wise. And one of the things that happens if they're not, then there is punishment. Yeah. And it's, it's painful punishment. But again, that's a culture 3,000 years away under mm-hmm. the old law in, in the old covenant, not in the new and not for us today. So in Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14, don't hold back discipline. Um, King James, withhold not correction. If you beat him, he's not going to die. Right. If you, if you administer the kind of discipline that a rod often was needed for which it was needed, hopefully you will spare this son from becoming so foolish that he would be stoned to death. Mm. And that's essentially what it means. Is you are saving the child, uh, and I've heard this, you know, you're going to save your child from going to jail if you discipline him correctly. It was told of us. We were told this. You, you need to apply this to your child. Um, and, uh, in fact, we were told, you know, you need to lock her up like she was in jail and do that for a year. Oh, my goodness. In, in order to make her, you know, break her spirit and her will and, right. and turn her around. Um, you know, if, if you strike them with the rod, they will not die. Well, that was the law. Right. <laughs> they weren't, they, they could strike them up to 40 lashes. Probably, you know, you had a lash per year, but they weren't going to die unless they were stoned. If they got, if they died, then they were in trouble, big trouble. So it, it's an observation of a general truth. It's not a command. And, uh, it was a very common belief of teaching and wisdom had to be drummed into them with not only teaching, but, you know, beating them and severely mm. beating them. So in other words, this verse is not saying that if you don't spank your six-year-old, they're going to go to hell. Yes, yeah, sorry, I don't <laughs> see it. The, the word sheol literally means 
place of the dead. It, it's rarely translated hell because mm -hmm. the concept of hell was not, not a focus of attention back then. You know, they were, they were very down to earth now. They weren't about the future heaven, future hell. This Sheol means literally the place of the dead. And it could mm -hmm. mean a place of no return or a place without praise to God. It's not hell, yeah. you're going to send them to hell. It means you, you want to spare them from going to their grave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many people just as recently as a, a day or two ago say that this means spiritual death, that we have to use the rod in order to save our children from spiritual death. Right. And that's literal, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. I mean, that, that's, the, that's the problem is we want to, we want these passages to say more than they say. So if you had to beat the truth into them and coerce them to learn, which, by the way, was kind of a practice up until the 1930s. Mm. You, know, you read how they used to take the, the hand and they would whip the hand yes. or they would get a spanking if they got their ABCs or they didn't read right or their math was wrong. They would often get spanked. They used this verse for justification, which is so mm. nonsensical. But that was that was a culture. The Taliban and you know the Orthodox Muslims do this. They practice, mm. um, and you find it common around the world. But that doesn't mean that we are obligated to practice what they practice. So the next one, um, Proverbs twenty six three, a whip is for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of the fool. Yeah, that, okay. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> More of you the know, same. Yeah, yeah the, the rod and the back kind of go together. This was an observational statement. It, it's kind of like saying, does a bear poop in the woods? You know, like, <laughs> duh, you know? Uh, you, you have to whip a horse sometimes. You have to bridle the donkey sometimes. And, you know, you got to beat them. Okay, we'll grant that. But that is yeah. still not justification right. for how we practice discipline today. The fool is one who deliberately makes his, makes his choices, immoral choices. It's not the little child who's making mistakes. I, I don't see, you know, chasing that rabbit yeah. <laughs> down any for, right. further than we need to. But, so kind of more of the same, that the two belong right. together, the fool and right. the rod. Yes. All right, so the next one is Proverbs 29, 15. Uh, the rod gives reproof and wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. mother. Right, and again, the child um, is, a, is one of those terms that could... We have a 33-year-old daughter, and she's my child. Right. So the context tells us, is this a little one or is this somebody who's progeny? Someone, you know, is our son or daughter. So we, again, this verse is found in the context of all of Proverbs, where it's Ben, the son, or Na'ar, the older son, uh, not the little child. Now, some scholars will say, yes, this could be translated as uh, young children. I think, I'll say, sure, sure it can, but I think it's inconsistent, quite frankly. Yeah. And what we've seen so far, the rod and reproof give wisdom, which was very common in the ancient Near East, not only in Israel. In fact, the word, the Egyptian uh, symbol for discipline or for instruction was a 
uh, a master or a father beating another. And so there was a corollary between instruction and beating. Yeah. You know, you taught and you beat and you beat and you taught. So, yeah, a child who gets his own way brings shame to the mom. True. One who becomes a fool dishonors in a, in a horrendous way the mother. Yeah. And that's one thing in their society, honor was extremely important. Yeah, you didn't want uh, your child to grow up, your son to grow up to become the fool who would dishonor his family. Yeah, and so in this verse where it says a child who gets his own way, uh, does that is is that kind of makes me think of you know folly is stored up in the heart of a child kind of right. uh, that kind of idea. Right, a, a child who is who is launching, who is walking on the path of his own way. And all, all Jews, you know, covenant children of the time, covenant people who walked on a path in the direction of foolishness towards the other gods, they were walking in their own way. Mm. You know, this isn't, you know, the, the little child doesn't want the banana, the child wants an apple. Well, no, I said, you're going to have a banana and you give in to the child. Well, now you violated Proverbs 29 because the child got his own way. <laughs> right. Uh, shame. And now, you know, we got to deal with this because mom is shamed. Right. That, that, that was actually what I was going to, to point out or ask was, so to clarify, this is about the child who gets his own way is opposed to the way of God, not yes. just what the kid wants yes. or what the person wants. Or what the parent wants, yeah. Yes. Right. Um, also with, I mean, the word folly, now that you bring up that verse, Katie, the word folly is synonymous with foolishness. Yes. So folly being um, stored up in the heart of the child, um, could you elaborate on that verse a little bit? Like as it kind of relates to what we're talking about with foolishness and how there's a difference between childishness and foolishness. Like, is that relevant or? Well, you know, folly had to do with morality. Right. Folly had to do with breaking the, the commandments. Folly had to do with violating um, the, the moral standards. Uh, it had to do with uh, the religious standards. It had to do with the civil standards. And it was, you know, folly was part of the, the it was a characteristic of that individual the heart. And granted, the way they understood it is that foolishness can be, can be encouraged within the heart or it could be expressed, you know, taught and beaten out of them. Again, that was the cultural mindset. And it wasn't just the Jews. I mean, all the ancient Near Eastern cultures fought that way. Mm -hmm. So yes, foolishness is bound up within the person, but so is wisdom. We see the corollary of one who is wise is one who has the characteristics and the, the characteristic qualities of a wise individual who loves the Lord as God and who loves others as he loves himself. Mm. You know, where does that come from? In the heart. Mm -hmm. But they did believe that the way to get it out is to beat, them, beat it out of them. Mm. Um, and, you know, okay, that was how they understood it. So what are some of the disagreements in scholarship about these verses, like literal versus metaphorical? Because I've heard some people talk about the rod as being metaphorical, possibly. Um, and can you briefly touch on how each side comes to the, their conclusion? One thing that we need to always keep in mind is that we always come to life through our own lens, right? We have our own worldview. 
and we have our own presuppositions. And those of us who grew up spanked and believing in spanking will look at the scriptures and justify our perspective based upon our background and our presupposition. And, and no scholar is going to escape that. Um, mm -hmm. Good, honest scholars will certainly work hard at trying to understand the text. And we have to get at the root of the text and what the text is saying, um, you know, doing our, our homework, immersing ourselves in the culture and all that. And then the question is, how do we apply that to today? So what some people have done is to say those, those verses are uh, literal. Others will say they're metaphorical, especially the rod. I don't think we can escape the reality that the word rod means rod. It's not a paddle. It's not a, you know, um, mm. a little tool or anything. It, it, it means what it says. It says what it means. And so we have to take it at that. And yes, there are a couple of occasions where the word rod metaphorically means authority. But in the context of Proverbs and the verses that we saw, it, it always means rod. Uh, so we have to accept that. But then the, the, the other question comes down to, well, we have to take it literally. And I would submit, as uh, several other authors, good authors have done, is that people who hold on to spanking, just as I did for 20-something years, mm -hmm. trying to justify it from Scripture, we did not uh, take it literally. <laughs> because, again, okay. if we're going to take it literally, we need to use the rod on the back, and, and it needs to be, you know, to within the inch of their life, so to speak. Mm. Uh, we, we need to use the whip. And for certain women, we need to, um, for what they've done, you know, the wives of certain men, because of their actions, they need to pay with, by losing their hand. You, you have to use right. the hatchet, chop off their hand. So we're not taking it literally either. So the question comes down to what are some ways that we can take the sense and the purpose of the text and translate that, bring it across time into our own day. And that's where we end up with many different divergent views and, and perspectives. Um, I, I believe that what has happened is many of the scholars have looked at this and translated in, in a fair and decent way. Um, without regard to our current day? Well, my understanding of, um, from reading thy rod and thy staff of the, the Jewish interpretations of these verses are that it is, that it is a, it does mean corporal punishment. It does mean a physical punishment. They still use corporal punishment, but again, it's for older children. Right. And they are still operating under the law. Right. So <laughs> they, they do take these to mean uh, corporal punishment. So there's, it's not that we, we can't escape that, I think. Right. That, it, that right. is what it means. But it is for older children. I would agree with that. That's, yeah. that's true. And again, that's, uh, we, we, see, we see a lot of different applications of the old law to this day. Um, but we as believers only need to look at Galatians and Acts chapter 15. Hmm. The matter of the law and its application was resolved at that conference in Acts 15. Hmm. 
Mm. And Paul addresses it very, very significantly and very severely. And, and it, so I would say that the, the methods of the old uh, that were under the law, we are not under obligation. In fact, in Romans and, and several other passages, Gentiles are not obligated to fulfill the law the way the Jews did. Yeah. But even as a Jew who has become a Christian, then we we follow the the uh, just a whole different paradigm. Right. What I call the X paradigm, the paradigm of the cross, the paradigm of Christ. Right. But we can, you know, people have their different perspectives. I eat, I don't eat shrimp because I'm allergic to it, but I eat pork. Right. <laughs> if you want to be consistent, you know, we ought not do that. We ought to have slaves. We ought to um, winnow the fields in a particular way and, and all those things. But we see Jesus transforming the intent of the law rather significantly in the Gospels. And I think that transformation has plated itself out over the years. Yeah. What has pressed us to this point in Christian circles, I believe, is that the assumption was by many scholars is that um, this is what the text says, how do we apply it? And th the whole idea of parenting in a particular way was not really on the forefront of parents' mind until a couple of German uh, instructors, uh, doctors, in around the 1850s came up with parenting books or booklets. Mm. And the whole parenting movement kind of started out of that. And up until then, we just kind of, okay, how do we parent? Well, like mom and dad did. Right. And, you know, how'd they do it? Well, they used a stick or a twig or, or whatever. And th there was no idea that maybe there's another way. Right. Uh, and maybe there's a right way. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, we are now in a position where scholars are being pressed to think about what does, what does Scripture say if all this research over the past 50-some-odd years is showing the hazards and the dangers of beating children. And we have come to a different understanding of, of um, abuse and, mm -hmm. and all that. Then how does that fit Scripture? And I think that's where we're seeing the gentle parent movement is, is a response to that. Yeah. What we are now recognizing is the Bible doesn't tell us that we have to beat the kid on the back any yeah. longer. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people um, in answer to that question will say, well, that's worldly wisdom, that's psychology. Right. And that is, you know, of the world. And, right. bi and the Bible says that we should do this. And so just right. like in the creation debate, oh, all of and not to get into that, but there's right. all sorts of things where people say, well, the science says this, but God's word says this. And they pit right. the two together or to, against one another and sure. choose. Uh, and they feel like they have to choose one or the other, that it's God's right. word or that it's world, you know, the world's wisdom. Unless science right. fits their presupposition because then, then, aha, this has, this is evidence that the Bible is true, but right. so many inconsistencies. <laughs> I, what amazed me in, in the transition from my old understanding uh, to what we're calling grace parenting, gospel parenting, um, whatever word we want to give it, 
is, is the fact that as I was reading these studies and these different books by these, oh, you know, non-Christians, how dare right. I? Oh. Um, <laughs> what I was finding is that their, their approach to parenting was lean towards mercy and grace, lean towards communication and instruction, lean towards teaching children how to develop and build skills in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. And not towards one, you tell them, you give the command, and you spank, which is, seems the default uh, understanding of child training, supposedly from the Bible. Right. And I, I find many of what they have discovered through you know, the brain uh, studies and all this um, really fits so beautifully with so many other passages of Scripture in the old and in the new. So I don't have any problem with that. Yes, I understand. I was told the same thing with our younger daughter, that uh, they didn't believe in psychology. You know, you just need to spank her and spank her and spank her until she gets it right. Um, And I, you know, thankfully we left (laughs) and had the freedom to be able to explore what was going on. So it's, um, yeah, they, they do differ. And I would say most people don't want to change, especially those who've already had kids and their kids have grown up, you know, and they're okay. They don't want to change the mindset. I I will say if it were not for our second daughter, we would have patted ourselves on the back and thought we were perfect parents. Yeah. Because our, you know, first daughter was so compliant and wonderful and sweet and gentle and, you know, and everything. She was the, the, the ideal child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but our, our second daughter changed all that for us. You know, I, I, it's funny. I think we, Cornet and I, my husband and I were just talking about this in the car today about how, um, if we, if we were spanking Calvin, that's my son's name, if we were spanking Calvin at every point that yes. a lot of these Christian books advise like disobedience, yes. Yes. He, Man, we would only be spanking because oh. he is quite the he is quite yeah. the uh, independent little fellow. Right. Oh my gosh, we've got we've got three and a half independent little fellows. <laughs> yeah. So we were watching all of these children, and I mean, some children are just naturally more compliant, or they respond differently to punishment and yeah. think, "Well, I'm going to fly out to the radar then, or I'm going to please this person so I don't get punished." We don't have those. Right. In the top. No. Yeah. Our, <laughs> our little guy is, uh, in fact, Lois and I were just talking about this the other day with our little guy, who's two and uh, what, two and three months. And, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a busy little guy. And if mm-hmm. we had the same mindset that we did 30 something years ago, we'd be spanking him all the time. Yeah. But uh, with our second child, we learned. Why are we not erring on the side of grace and mercy? Why is our default to always pull out the paddle? Yeah. When we haven't even instructed her or told her or, or what, even when she was defiant, we err on the side of grace. Right. And that's what really struck us more yeah. than anything. So to wrap up this interview, I think this is a, a, a good question to wrap up on. Um, does the pro spanking crowd have scholars on these verses? 
Uh, how do the people who interpret these verses as condoning spanking arrive at their conclusions? And is there any validity to these claims? Well, that's the big debate, really. I mean, that, that really is the core debate. And um, I have a very difficult time, as I mentioned, um, for example, um, Dr. Watke, who is also a, a, an excellent Hebrew scholar, um, and Tremper Longman, I've read their commentaries, and you know, they point out uh, that this is the rod, there was the beating and so forth. And they say, in principle then, from this we can say that we can spank our children. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it. I, I think that we are still within, and, and William Webb, I keep going back to him, makes a good point, as does Martin, uh, makes a good point that we have the liberty to be able to apply the principles found in the Old Testament to our time today. And our concern is to train and inculcate the things of the Lord as well as of life in our children in a way that we believe is, is best. Yeah. And, and I hold that the, the way that I believe is best is to follow the model of Jesus in the, uh, in the Gospels and to follow uh, the, you take verses like the one and other verses in the New Testament. How do we relate with others? You know, we teach them, we do all these one and other things. We follow the verses of, of what the pastors or elders are supposed to do from Titus and Timothy. And I think those are good models for parenting. Yeah. Do I have to apply it that way? No. And, and this is the thing that we mess up with the law. Um, the law gives us the, the uh, measure, but it doesn't give us the method. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that we have to be careful with is we are commanded to train our children in a particular way. Uh, even in the New Testament, it's different than in the old. You know, fathers are not supposed to frustrate the tar out of the kids yeah. Ultimately, so they don't reject the faith. Um, but I've seen too many parents using spanking where they do that. They do yeah. just that. Yeah. So, yes, there is, um, I think there are more scholars who would advocate for spanking. In my opinion, I don't think they are being consistent in yeah. the application. Yeah. Um, and maybe 10, 20 years from now, it'll be totally different. I hope so. I hope we so. can hope. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was, yeah, that was really great. I have enjoyed this so much, Don. I appreciate well, it. Well, it has been fun. Oh. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of thank, course. thank you for coming on. Um, and yeah, I would look forward to our next conversation. Thank you for joining us for part two of our interview with Dr. Don. Join us next week as we have him back on to explore the equity of the law and how we can apply these verses to our lives today. Thanks so much for listening to Tending Lambs. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please join our Facebook group, Tending Lambs Community Group. You can follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tendinglambs, and find the show notes page and lots of other gentle parenting resources at our website, tendinglambs.com. Until next time.